everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. Uh, sorry about last week, I missed the Thursday-Friday drop, which is generally when I like to drop the other episode of the week. That'll happen sometimes. Listen, I don't do this full-time, it's just, it is what is it? it is, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. If I did this full-time, I wouldn't miss two episodes a week, maybe I'd even up it to three, I don't know. So if somebody wants to pay me a lot of money to do this full-time, I'm all in. But until then, sometimes you're going to miss a day, I'm sorry or miss half a week, or whatever. Anyway, I hope you all had a great weekend. Um, I did. I went to Corn Bellies with some friends and had a fun time. It's not necessarily for a group of older single adults, so to speak, uh, but it's a great atmosphere. The corn maze is still fun. The haunted corn maze is kind of fun, a little bit weird. It's kind of It kind of makes you ask that question, you know, do you know anybody that works in a haunted house? Or haunted corn maze, for that example. Like, do you do you know what those type of people are like outside of their ordinary lives? Are there people out there that admit working at haunted houses? I think these are all fair and necessary questions, and it makes you wonder what type of people they are in their ordinary life, if they even have an ordinary life. I don't know. Anyway, just food for thought for those out there. But tis the season to get spooky, so that's been fun. Um, for any families out there that are wanting to do some fun fall activities, I thought Corn Bellies was a great atmosphere for families. They do a really good job there by making you kind of feel that festive Halloween, October spirit. It was fun, even for even for mid-single adults going out to just do whatever. But all right, for today's podcast, I actually get into a story of when I was in high school and I tagged a, a rival high school's football field. And I go through that whole ordeal. It takes about... Uh, just a 20-minute thing, but it's kind of funny, and the whole story kind of takes place over a year, so a little context there. It's, I actually think you'll enjoy it. It's kind of like a little change of pace. Coming later this week will be something I'm pretty excited about. I, de- I determined I'm going to bring Ari Worthen back because that got some great reviews, and she's going to talk to me about a very relevant topic these days that we hear a lot about now maybe not so much in general conference like we used to maybe 10 to 15 years ago but it's something that's still on the forefront especially for single adults and something that we talk about a lot and that is pornography so we'll kind of get into that in my own experiences therein anyway i don't want to give away too much because for one it hasn't been recorded yet but it will be and it will be i think it'll be good i really i really trust ari to ask some interesting questions and get into that and with her experience knowing people and my experience with it, things like that. So anyway, before I get into the meat of this episode, I do want to share something actually that I've been thinking about lately. I was actually discussing kind of with a couple friends earlier last week or maybe mid last week, the idea of repentance and if forgiveness is immediate. So this actually prompted me to kind of go into my own notes. And it turns out I actually spoke on this in sacrament meeting. Uh, and so I actually put it on my blog post uh, for my website. So for anybody interested, I think it's harperdanderson.com. There's a whole thing on there. It's a pretty quick read, I think, for the most part, maybe 10, 15 minutes tops. I'm going to share just various parts of that because I wanted to give some thoughts out there on the idea of forgiveness being immediate, which is kind of a fascinating topic in and of itself within the gospel. So I have some thoughts here that I wanted to share before we get to the high school tagging story. All right, so... In his talk, We Can Do Better and Be Better, President Nelson stated, Brethren, prayerfully seek to understand what stands in the way of your repentance. Identify what stops you from repenting. 
President Wilson, President Nelson went on to share in his talk, nothing is more liberating, more ennobling, or more crucial to our individual progression than is a regular daily focus on repentance. Repentance is not an event. It is a process, which I really like that line. It is the key to happiness and peace of mind, and that the adversary is quadrupling his efforts to disrupt testimonies and impede the work of the Lord. Quadrupling, I think, is an interesting, specific number that he's putting out there. Just a few days ago, now this, sorry, this is from the excerpt, so it wasn't a few days ago, but Elder Uchtdorf back in 2019 at some point, near the end of the 2019 year, shared on his Instagram, DNC 5842, which says, Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. And with that, gave an explanation stating, this is President Uchtdorf's, or Elder Uchtdorf's words, I use the wonderful principle of repentance almost daily. For me, repentance is not only a way to activate the atonement of Jesus Christ and have my transgressions not only forgiven, but also remembered no more. It's also the A-list of what I'm working on to improve. He had a couple more paragraphs in that as well, but the principle there is something that I would agree with 100%. The exact moment that I truly decided to repent and see my priesthood leaders was the moment that I felt the burden lifted from my soul. I want to reiterate what President Nelson said. Repentance is not an event, it is a process. Transforming ourselves from sin takes time, but I'll tell you what does not take time, what I don't think takes time at least, forgiveness. From my perspective, the scriptures have a couple of references to forgiveness from being repentance, from repentance being immediate. In Alma 34:31, it says this, Yea, I would that you would come forth and harden not your hearts any longer, for behold, now is the time and the day of your salvation, and therefore, if you will repent and harden not your hearts, Immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought about unto you. Alma notes plan of redemption. I'll get to my thoughts about that in a second, of how that can be interpreted a couple different ways. But in Moroni 6, 8, it also says this, But as oft as they repented and sought forgiveness, with real intent they were forgiven. And let's think about that for a second. I haven't actually looked it up, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a passage from Scripture where it says, And they repented, but they were not forgiven. This caused me to ask a few internal questions in my study. Is forgiveness from repentance immediate? In Alma 34, 31, it says, If we repent and harden not our hearts, immediately shall the great plan of redemption be brought upon us. It does say the word immediate, which I think is fascinating, but it also says a plan of redemption. So it's not necessarily evidence that we're forgiven right away, but that there is a plan attached to our repentance. What is the plan? Must be transformative of who we were in the midst of sin versus who we must become. Perhaps, maybe we are forgiven immediately after repentance, but are we redeemed immediately? Maybe, maybe not. It sounds like redemption comes after the transformative powers of the atonement take place into our lives, which requires real change, real change from who we were versus who we must become. And from what I can gather, redemption takes a lot more time to achieve than forgiveness, but we can't let that deter us from seeking immediate forgiveness, which is readily available. President Nelson continues in that same talk, the Lord needs men eager to repent with a zeal to serve and be part of the Lord's battalion of worthy priesthood bearers. Make your focus on daily repentance so integral to your life that you can exercise the priesthood with greater power than ever before. I want to reemphasize that although forgiveness immediately follows repentance, change comes over time. I stand before you today as a direct witness of that. It's true, and I hope I keep changing. I have changed a lot to this point in my life. I want to keep changing and keep progressing and just keep trying to be better, which sometimes I feel like I take two steps back instead of two steps forward. That happens. I think that happens to a lot of us, but we can't let that stop us. I find it interesting that Elder Uchtdorf is prompted to post on his Instagram that he exercises the power of repentance on a daily basis. So someone like Elder Uchtdorf is feeling the need to repent. 
maybe that's something that we need to think about as well. Unless he's repenting for donating to the Democratic Party, which I don't know, maybe that's the case, maybe it's not. Just kidding. Obviously, he doesn't have to do that. But the principle still stands. Repentance on a daily basis is important. One more reason why we should be praying and and corresponding with God on a daily basis, at least once a day. And the scriptures can help prompt that as well, because it brings us closer to the Spirit and brings us closer to our Heavenly Father. Anyway, I wanted to share that because that was something on my mind this past week, speaking with a few friends about it, because we often think about that. What does forgiveness mean? Well, forgiveness is immediate, but that's really not everything. It's about the covenants we make with our Heavenly Father and how we progress and make those covenants more vibrant in our lives and what we can do from there. Anyway, I hope you all are doing well. Hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. It's a little bit of a kickback. Let your hair down and just hear me pontificate. Not pontificate, that's the wrong word. But hear me just go off on some random high school story. Um, Hope you enjoy it. And I hope you all are gearing up for a great week. I'll circle back near the end of the week and hit you with another episode. Love you all. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right. So I wanted to, I've been wanting to share this story for a while. I actually at one point wanted to write about this, but writing isn't as easy as just talking. Let's be honest. So I wanted to do maybe an oral history too, because there are other people involved in this story that make this one pretty good. And maybe at one point I'll have one, if not more of them return or not return, but come on the pod and talk about it with me. But um, it's a high school tagging story. And by tagging, I mean, not necessarily vandalism, if you will, but, you know, you go and you, you tag a field with your school colors and logos or whatever else and um, let them know you were there. We've all heard of that. That's happened plenty. It's been a thing. Utah, BYU have had rivalries doing that at date all the way back to who knows when. Um, and most of the time, honestly, it's just friendly stuff. Uh, and that's kind of one other aspect of that makes sports awesome. It's kind of funny little uh, side rivalries that go on that complement the bigger rivalry. But for this story, it kind of starts, believe it or not, with my older brother and his friend. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of set the scene here with the characters in this. I mean, they're not characters, they're real people, but I actually did change their names just because I don't technically have their permission to share this story. But I'm involved, so I don't know what the permissions need to be anyway. Regardless, I just don't want to totally uh, implicate them if if there's an issue. I I actually did check with a lawyer friend of mine a while ago to check the statute of limitations on trespassing, because that would be the bigger thing there. 
and I should be good, which is why I feel all right sharing the story in, in the public arena. Um, but you have three of my friends involved in this tagging story. So you have me, obviously. Then you have Dave, Dallas, and James. And then you have, to kind of start with everything, to give you a little bit of context to this, you have my brother, who I've mentioned before on this podcast, but not his full name, whatever, not, not a big deal. Those that know me probably know his name anyway. Uh, I'm going to refer to him as G-Love, how he appears in my contacts on my phone. G-Love and his friend Don. Now, Don happened to be Dave's older brother, who's in my crew, right? So me and Dave, buddies, G-Love and Don, thick as thieves. Like these guys, they were pranksters. They they did a lot of things together that were like just kind of kind of kind of out there. They had their like their little adventures together. Um and not necessarily just adventures, but like they would I don't know, they were always scheming. That's a better way of putting it. These guys were always scheming. G Love and Don, I mean they would tip over porter potties with um my brother's car. Well, the the, the car I shared with my brother. And subsequently somehow broke the the shotgun side mirror d- trying to tip over a porta potty because uh I don't know uh, they were trying to reverse into it my brother actually just shared the story with with me recently on that one they were reversing into the porta potty to tip it over and as he had like or he was pretending to and so we, like he quickly like swerved at the end and as he swerved he clipped the mirror like perfectly and it just came flying off and he like ends up like trying to duct tape it together or whatever. And early one morning when it was snowing outside before school, my dad, the gem that he is, would sometimes um, get the snow off of our car. And as he was doing that, he comes in with the broken mirror and he's like, this broke off, I guess. And my brother's like, oh, weird. I'll have to look at that. Yeah, he never looked at it. It just stayed broken. That was that. Um, that's how he got off, I guess, right? You know, anyway. Um, I don't really want to get into that because I feel like he got away with more things than I did, but that's probably not even true. Uh, they'd do stuff like that. They'd, uh, they would, I remember they bought this bottled soda that they got at 20, 25 cents a pop at the close by Albertsons and then resold each bottle for a dollar. Cause they were like these weird flavors. It was the Jones soda. They're like these unique flavors like bubble gum or blue lemonade and just stuff like that. That didn't really exist back then. And, um, they would just put those bottles in the trunk of our car that I shared with my brother and resell each bottle for a dollar. I think they ended up turning like a $600 profit or something. And in high school, that's no small potatoes. Maybe that's too high money. I can't remember exactly, but it's just stuff like that. They were always just doing random stuff. So anyway, one of the other things that they do together is that they would tag other schools. And I don't even remember specifically the schools that they tagged. I'm not going to say them, but they were close by. One was in Sandy. We grew up in Draper, the Draper area. Um, one was in Sandy and another was, um, out on the West side of the freeway, kind of that South Jordan area, Riverton area. And I remember when they tagged the Sandy school, uh, it was, um, they just painted, I think they took spray paint and they put a big A in the middle of the field. And I remember I played on the football team, uh, that year. And I, so we were playing on that field the next day. And we noticed that they actually had to mow it down. I think my brother went to go back to visit, like, what he had done. And they, they mowed it, but you could still see the A because it was mowed down. Um, and they didn't, like, mow the, all the grass down. They just mowed it where it was painted just to get rid of the paint. 
but you can still very clearly see the imprint of the A based off of how they mowed it. So that was kind of funny. And then the other time they did it was during the basketball season. And so you can't, it's really kind of hard to like make an emphasis on, on tagging the specific sport. But I think for this one, they added a big A that they had made. I don't know if it was out of PVC pipe or whatever. Um, and then had a sign that said home of the Hawks because we went to Alta. So Alta Hawks. And um, they kind of just added it to the roof of the school. So they definitely trespassed, but they didn't really vandalize. I mean, there's not really a whole lot of vandalism going on here because we weren't like really destroying property. I don't think painting grass constitutes destroying property either. But anyway, um, so we had, or we were kind of like, this is, this is my brother and, and Don that are kind of setting this tone of just kind of these funny adventures. They ended up actually getting caught for the second one they had done. I don't think they ever got tied to the first one, but they got caught, and I don't really remember what happened. I mean, they didn't have any charges pressed against them, but there were some trespassing things thrown at them, like in terms of like kind of threats, but I don't think anything ended up really happening. I think they just had to do like a formal apology or something, because they never really got in trouble for the stuff they did. They weren't really bad guys by any means. Um, they were just, you know, punk, punk high schoolers having fun. Anyway, I tell you those stories to kind of set the tone for, like, how me and Dave were, because, like, those were our older brothers. Dave and I weren't personally, like, uh, we weren't as close-knit together, but we were friends. We were kind of in similar circles. Like, we got along really well. We didn't hang out quite as much as our older brothers did. Um, But we were friendly, and we always kind of wanted to, like, tag a school together to kind of carry on the tradition, so to speak. But we never really had a plan that was going to be fully implemented, like, from start to finish. I remember it kind of happened spur of the moment. Um, I think my parents were out of town and it was the weekend we were playing our high school's rival, which is actually not a school that either of our older brothers tagged before. So that was kind of cool too. We kind of carried on the tradition with another school. It was also in Sandy, this other school, and we were playing them the next day. Um, we decided kind of spur the moment. I remember I like I went to go check in the garage to see if we had any paint. We happened to have like a bunch of white paint in our garage. And my parents were out of town. I called up another friend and I was like, hey, like it was, I called up Dallas and I was like, hey, like, are you, do you think we should do it tonight? And uh, you know what? Now that I think about it, I don't think my parents were out of town. I think Dallas's parents were out of town because um, we were kind of like used his spot as like the, the like hub so that we could kind of meet up there, you know, gather our stuff and like we, so we got three other guys involved. So there's me, Dallas, Dave, Dave, who's Don's younger brother, and James. Um, we all meet up at Dallas's house and are thinking, like, all right, this is what we want to do. I just grabbed a bunch of random, like, red paint, white paint, black paint from my parents' garage. This is just, like, this is this is punk-ass high schooler written all over it. And um, we meet up at Dallas's house. And just sort of thinking, like, let's go over to the high school, the, the, our rival high school, and see what we can do. And we kind of positioned it so, like, we knew that there was a neighborhood close by. We could cross, like, some train tracks. We could cross a trail. And then we could just easily hop the fence right onto the football field. So that's what we did. And we went and carried it out pretty easily. We had paint rollers. So we used those and rolled them, rolled out on the field this big A, a huge A right at the 50-yard line. And then underneath it, painted hawks. So it actually looked pretty
pretty dang good. And I had a pitcher at some point. I don't know where that pitcher would be anymore. But I had a pitcher because uh, one of the cheerleader's dads who I had known, he would always be there taking pictures. And I had him take a picture of the field for me. And he knew exactly what I was asking. He knew I was probably involved somehow. And send it to me. And I have that picture somewhere. I can't find it. I haven't really looked, but it's somewhere. I'll have to try and track that down at some point. Anyway, we're there in the middle of the night Thursday, and we get, we get it done. And it's like a pretty good job just kind of painting the field. And we call it good. I think the whole thing probably took us like two, maybe three hours at most. We go back to Dallas's house, and we're thinking, like, how do we get this paint off of us? Not really a huge problem. And then we part ways. The next day at school, we do not tell anyone, really. Okay, so truth be told, I ended up telling like two people, I think. Another one of our friends who, he his lips were sealed. He wasn't going to. He wasn't going to do anything. Uh, he wasn't going to say anything. He he and I and uh, Dave go back like during the second or third period of the day to go see what it looks like in the day. We were just too antsy. And we go and just start walking on that trail that goes right behind the football stadium. And this sounds like it's going to be out of a movie. It was The timing was too good. No joke, as we're walking on the trail, looking at it, admiring our work, all of a sudden, a ton of the students at Jordan High School start coming out to go look at the field. Because apparently word had gotten out at that point to the majority of the student body that their field had gotten tagged, so they all wanted to go out and look at it. So they all go and look at it while we're there. And so at this point, we're like scared, so we just take off running. And we run back to my car and go back to the school. That's it. But it was just kind of funny timing how that worked out. Um, here's where the part of the story takes a really funny turn. And this is part of the story that I kind of feel bad about. But uh, three of the four of us that had tagged the field were involved in our own student government. And so for whatever reason, student governments before football games would get together with other student governments from that same school that we were playing and we'd have like pizza before the football game. Kind of get to know them, hang out, whatever. Have some nice camaraderie. So I, the three of us that tagged this high school's field got invited to eat pizza for dinner with the student government of that same high school. Obviously, they have no idea. And obviously, there was some of that talk going around like, oh, yeah, like just because we're rivals and you guys tagged our ta- tagged our field doesn't mean we can't be friends. And no joke, three of the four guys that were involved in the tagging were actually there in that room with them. I'm not even kidding. Like, it sounds so crazy. This is why I'm sharing the story, because it's kind of unbelievable at, some, at parts. So that was funny. And one thing we had heard was that because they left they left the A and the Hawks on there the whole game. And one thing we had heard was that their plan was, because they were actually the better football team that year, their plan was to play us, beat us, and then like stomp on that A and spit on it as we as we lost and had to leave. But that never happened. We actually won the game. It was incredible. So it was just adding insult to injury. It was a weird move on their part to not get rid of the A. I don't know why you would do, would do that as a high school, but whatever, they did it. Okay, so that was a funny tidbit, but... Fast forward to the following year. This is another interesting wrinkle in this story. I had been at BYU for a year, and this is around the time where me and my roommate, who also went to Alta, were getting ready to go on missions. And he specifically had gotten his mission call at the time, and he wanted to go tell us some of our high school teachers. 
so we went, and I think we even went during school. But we're we're sitting there in Alta. He's looking around for some teachers to just tell him about his mission call. And we happen to run into the school cop. I still remember his name. His name was Officer Bryson. I like Officer Bryson and I got along really well. He he remembered me from the year before, and so he had um like he had a new he was pretending to like pull for his gun as he saw us. He's like, "What are you guys doing here?" He's totally joking though. He's a nice guy, or at least he liked us. He was nice to us, but um he had a new taser too, and he's like, "Or I could just use one of these bad boys." And he's like, "Yeah, we all got like we all have tasers now." And I mean, this was back in two thousand would have been two thousand six. So I don't know if tasers were new around then or what, but he was telling us about it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool looking. And he took off the thing where it shoots out the strings and he shows us like the electric uh, pulse thing or whatever that, that the charge, it was cool looking. And he's like, yeah, there's actually some really cool videos that I have in my office if you guys want to see them. And we're like, of course we do. So he takes us back to his office and he starts pulling up some videos. I remember he showed us a video of them tasing a bull where this huge bull just like goes and locks its legs and falls directly over and then starts ramming the fence because it got tased and like just crazy videos like that. It shows videos of him and other fellow police officers getting tased as well. Um, Really crazy stuff because they all have to like go through that training. They have to get tased as well to just know what it feels like to know what they're doing. And while he's pulling up different files, he pulls up a picture accidentally that happened to be a picture of our own football field and our goalposts and stuff like that that had gotten tagged by that same school that I had tagged the year before he's like oh yeah yeah there's some he's like we actually got like you got we kind of got vandalized like your kids that like got really high up on the field goal post it actually was impressive they got super high up on the field goal post I have no idea how that happened but um and and then he just showed us a couple more pictures. He's like, here's this and that and the other. And um, I'm looking at these. And I'm like, dang, wow. Okay, they did a good job. And he's like, yeah, you know, we ended up catching them like super quick. Like we just knew all they did was just go brag to their friends. It's kind of funny though because, you know, we, we, we tagged them the year before and those guys never got caught. And at that moment, I'm just like, this is unbelievable. Like literally I'm standing right there and he's talking to the guy that tagged that football field saying we never caught the guy like no joke it sounds like it kind of sounds like a movie or at least a high school teen movie but that is exactly how it played out I don't even know if my high school or my college roommate who went to that high school with me that friend of mine if he knew that I had tagged that the school at that point because we really did keep it hush hush we hardly told anybody and um at that point though he knew I definitely told him after that after we both experienced that in the in Officer Bryson's office. Anyway, I hope that made your day because that's a story that I've been wanting to get out there for a while. It is a funny story. It's a funny experience I had and just wanted to share it. Uh, I also remember, too, the day of, like, we were all super tired. So it's like, I think it was near the end of the day um, on that Friday before the game. Um, I was in a little circle of friends just kind of sitting there as school was getting out and some kid comes up to us and he's like, did you guys hear? I'm like, what? He's like, somebody, we tagged him. Somebody went over to Jordan and like pointed a big A on their field. And we're just like, oh, no way. And the only reason why this friend knew early was because he looked at me and like had those eyes that were just like these inquiring eyes. And I just nodded at him. And he knew from there, he's like, okay, yeah, that was Harper and his boys. Even though we were all really close friends, it was just like the four of us that he knew would do something like that. So we did, 
we carried on the legacy of our brothers. Um, so Dave actually got pulled out of class. And I think the reason why was because the affiliation with his older brother, Don, who was my older brother's friend, Dave got pulled out of class during like second or third period that day and asked directly by one of the vice principals and I think the school cop, I think it was Officer Bryson, and they're like, do you, do you have anything to do with this? And to Dave's credit, was just like, do with what? Like he just played dumb. And they're like, you really don't know what's going on? He's like, I really don't know. Like, what are you talking about? And got away, like just stood his ground, never once admitted to anything, didn't fess up. That was that. And that's how we got away with it. So if there are any kids out there that are listening to this, that's how you get away with it. If you're going to do any pranks or anything like that, just don't tell anybody. Just keep quiet. Just make it seem like something fun between you and your close friends. I don't want to make this like a blueprint for committing some terrible shenanigans, but if you're going to do it, just do it right. So madly, there must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. Cause I could almost see it. Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time.